Hi everybody and welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about the life of the Buddha. Now the life of the Buddha can be summed up in a couple of minutes. This is a man who was a prince at everything, renounced it all, spent the rest of his life becoming enlightened and sharing his teachings with everybody. It's an extraordinary story. But that does not do it justice. So when we talk about the Buddha, Buddha basically just means that he's the awakened one. But when we talk about the Buddha, we are talking about Siddhartha Gautama, an actual historic person that lived in 5th century BC. That means 500 years before Jesus. Now, he was born in Lumbini, which is in present-day Nepal. Uh, he grew up in Kapalavastu. Where that's exactly at, nobody even still to this day knows. It has been destroyed. Um, now, when we talk about his life, now, when I say that he had everything. He was an actual prince. He was born into royalty. He there was a, a seer there at his birth and they were looking for markings on him and they found some. And what they told his father was he's either going to be a great emperor or sage. So upon hearing this his father basically took away everything of pain, of misery, ugly in life, and just showered his kid with all the beauty in the world. And in my opinion, that's kind of what set him on the path towards the sage. I mean, <laughs> argue all that you want, but I mean, if I'm going to grow up all these beautiful women around me, all this lavish food, drink whenever I want to, party, entertainment. And what really did it was um, when he began to renounce everything, like he was catered and being prepped to be an emperor. That's what his father was doing. So he was taking military you know, training. He was apparently a really good archer swordsman all this stuff but what really did it is one day he wanted decided to leave the palace and his cart whatever you call him the one that like pushed him around he seen three people and it was like well what's wrong with this person and what he encountered was a diseased man a decaying corpse and somebody growing old things he's never seen in the palace and his I'm gonna say heart pusher like I don't know <laughs> I'm also running like four hours of sleep it was a long night my little one but he basically explained yes we all become diseased at some point we can what you think you're going to look like that forever? We do grow old. And yes, we all do die. And this stuck with Buddha. You know, 
he was also obviously in some kind of culture shock because I'm pretty sure that set that man into a culture shock after living his entire life. Charioteer. That's the word I'm thinking of. Sorry. When he explained all this to him, I'm sure they sent him into some kind of culture shock, you know? And then he goes back to the palace, sees, you know, all these women around and all this lavish food and people playing music, people dancing. You know, the, the stereotypical guy that would be sitting there and people feeding him grapes like you see in some ancient text. But he wound up getting married and having a son. And around his second birthday, he decides he's, he can't he can't hold it anymore. He wants to go out and find the answer to life. Like why do we why 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 do we become a disease? Why do we become old? Why do we die? So he sneaks off basically in the middle of the night, like literally just climbs the wall leaves the palace climbs the walls and just disappears now at the time in India there was no Buddhism there's a bunch of different yoga practices I think there was hundreds or thousands I really don't know the number different schools of yoga and way to do things this man literally tried them all. I mean, he went into a renunciant lifestyle. I mean, he gave up everything. He went to all these different schools, did all this stuff, had no money, starved a lot, took alms, which means he basically took handouts of food and spent a long, long time doing this. Now he did come to a realization at some point that meditating the Dhyana path was the right path to awakening. And upon discovering this, Well, before I go into that, I'm going to say the Dhyana in Sanskrit is training of the mind commonly translated as meditation. This is the Google translation to withdraw the mind from the automatic responses to sense impressions and leading to a state of perfect equanimity and awareness. Basically deep meditation. So he understands this and at this point in his life he barely eats he went to like I said he was at a point where he was barely eating anything but a grain of rice a day like that's hardcore and he comes to a river and he's so weak that he can't cross it the river apparently has long since disappeared, but from all the accounts, it was one that probably went knee high. So it really wasn't, it was like a stream. And there was the Bodhi tree, you could see it right across. But he was so weak, he just couldn't do it. But he was determined. So he finds 
this large walking stick basically wades across and sits under the Bodhi tree that's world-renowned famous now and a pilgrimage site. So, and you gotta be given to, he did have monks that followed him around. They were like, yeah, this dude knows the shit, you know. And when he goes to sit down, he sits there until he says, I'm just going to close my eyes and meditate. I'm either going to figure things out or die. That was his plan. Now, when you come to a point like that, you have nothing to lose. You're giving it your all. And during this time, he he did hit enlightenment, but there was many things that came to him. Um, it is said that while he was sitting under that tree he was able to tap into all his previous life cycles and rebirths. And this is where he also got complete insight into the Four Noble Truths, which are basically knowing that there is suffering. What is suffering? What's the way to get away from suffering? And here's the path away from suffering. Because you got to remember, too, like I said earlier, that samsara is basically karmic rebirth. And if you can get away from suffering and understand your life and rise above everything that you are supposed to learn, you're supposed to reach nirvana and not come back. And this is what he was able to achieve under that tree. Now, I am doing 99% of this episode off the top of my head because as anybody that don't know that's listening to this, I have been a witch pagan practitioner for 26 years coming in on Samhain, but I have also blended in Buddhism into my practice. So I'm basically like a traditional witch Buddhist. And this is something I have been studying for quite a few years. And the life of the Buddha also is something that just intrigues me because it's so interesting. As opposed to a lot of other historical figures in history, religious figures. His is just amazing. Now something I find... (laughs) kind of funny is once he reaches this what he was looking for he basically opens his eyes and his monks are sitting there like hungry for what he figured out you know and he basically goes it's a waste of time let's just eat you know (laughs) we've been walking around for years silly 
that I find just hilarious now he was he was hesitating at first not to not to tell them that's why he said let's just eat but and he took he took him a while to decide to teach his realization to other people he was concerned that most people were just overpowered by ignorance greed and hatred and it would be difficult for them to understand where he was coming from because a spiritual awakening is subtle deep and hard to grasp for most people that's true um man he eventually does go start a pilgrimage and teaching this stuff you know now when he decided to do this he went back to a group of the renunciants that he spent some time with and decided to there was a group of five aesthetics and these are people who gave up everything they're pretty pretty extreme no sensual pleasure no self-mortification of any kind like these people I think if you looked at them they'd basically be skeletons with skin but he was able to convince them of everything he understands just came to understand and what this did was they decided to follow him and this turned into going to other ascetic environments grabbing more and they formed the first sangha which is sangha basically is like if you go to catholicism we got all these monasteries or monks and nuns are it's basically the same thing it's just for buddhist monks and nuns now after this he spent his last remaining 40 to 45 years of his life teaching uh and he would he would travel through the entire subcontinent of india all the way back to his home in kapalavastu in nepal that's a lot of walking <laughs> but it's it's an amazing story like i said and this is also a time when there wasn't a lot of there wasn't paved roads there wasn't highway system you know they would have to trudge through jungle they would have to travel through some harsh locations and there is animals there that will eat your but you know there is tigers and elephants and they also in india have a monsoon season and that in itself is dangerous especially i'm sure way back then you know there wasn't a lot of places you can retreat to and be safe from that kind of thing now as he became older he does settle in a town called Srivasti i am probably butchering all these indian cities and words but and builds a sangha there and basically lives out the rest of his life there you know by now he's an old man 
he can't do all this walking and stuff that he's done his entire life. And I think it's some some text states that all that walking and all, all the things he's done in his life, he has severe back pain. But he does push through that, which is another an amazing quality about him. People need to hear this. I am going to teach it whether I am in the most sharpest pain of my life or not. You know. And it's also said that in his last year that India started to become a time of war and people were flooding to him for advice on what to do and he would constantly give them seven different principles seven different things to do that they could prosper a lot of them turned away they thought it was crazy some of them took his words you know But also India, it, it has always been like a war-torn country in the in the olden times. Now, there's always some rulers, you know. It's, it's like anywhere else in the world at the time. Everything was like tribal, so there was constant warfare going on. Now, getting really, really closer to his death, there is you can do some readings, and there is some people that claim that. His last meal was poisoned, and that's what killed him. But there is text from his actual statements that says that the last meal had nothing to do with it. He knew his time was here. You know, don't tell people that. And, you know, apparently somebody did. Probably wanted to boost their own fame or something. Like, I don't know. Now, when he died, he laid down and entered his final meditation never waking up again and it is said that he died with a very content smile on his face but that basically in under 20 minutes is the life of the Buddha and the historical Buddha and Buddhism would become one of the biggest you know religions on the planet and it does spread like wildfire through Tibet, China, Japan and India well, pretty much Southeast Asia it takes off really well yes they did have issues with the religions and set of values and morals that were already there but it has taken it has taken hold over there and it's amazing and I'm very humbled that even here in America there is Buddhist temples uh, when we lived in me and my wife oh, me and my family lived in Minnesota there was an amazing Buddhist temple up there that I was able to go visit and look at take some pictures and <laughs> A singing bowl. It was, an, it was just an amazing experience. I don't want to dwell on it, drag this out super long, more long than I have to, but that's the life of the Buddha. Uh, you can hit me up on social media if you want me to dive more into something. Uh, Morgan Soul Shift. You can pretty much type that in 
any app besides TikTok. Uh, that would be Morrigan, all lowercase M-O-R-R-I-G-A-N underscore Ravenchild, R-A-V-E-N-C-H-I-L-D. And let me know what you thought of this. Until the next episode, COVID's still going around. Not over it. Stay safe, everybody.